go ahead and take our Bibles here tonight, and I'd like us to take and begin by turning to 1 Peter chapter 3 and uh, verse number 15, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 15. The reason uh, I really am, uh, again, going through maybe a kind of why series is because I think it's good for us to know why uh, we believe or why we don't believe certain things when it comes to the scriptures. And so again, I want to begin here uh, with a Bible verse that I'm, I'm sure most of you would be for, uh, familiar with, but I want to read it nonetheless. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 15. The Bible says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Can you give an answer for what you believe? Can I give an answer for what I believe or what I don't believe? We should seek to be able to give an answer for the faith and what we truly do believe. Again, sometimes an answer takes a while, and certainly sometimes an answer is not something that we rarely can give, but the answers to our faith are found in the Scriptures, and we are to be able to give an answer to every man for the hope that was in us with meekness and, and fear, the Bible says. Uh, I'd like us to turn, if you would, over to Mark chapter 7, Mark chapter 7, but as we think about another thought on why, we looked at some thoughts on why, again, abortion is wrong, we looked at why uh, drinking would be something that Christians would abstain from. I want to consider here, again, what would be one of the main whys, I guess, of, of many of the whys that you find when it comes to the faith or to spiritual matters. And I want to consider here tonight why you should not follow, in general, traditions. Why you should not follow traditions. Now, I'm not talking about traditions when it comes to the home, or maybe traditions, maybe when it comes to a family, or traditions maybe, again, that, again, maybe our country or society or a community might be involved with. But I want to talk about traditions that replace the truth, or trump, again, uh, trumping uh, truth with these kinds of traditions. And so I want to read again Mark chapter 7, again a, a good uh, chapter that deals with the subject of traditions and certainly spiritual or religious traditions. Again, when it comes to traditions, it's very common for every kind of faith system that you'll find to have some kinds of traditions. I mean, again, when it comes to America, I just mentioned in general, again, uh, we have traditional times of services when it comes to uh, Baptist churches. Again, Again, 10 o'clock, Sunday school, 11 o'clock, church, 6 o'clock, evening service, 7 o'clock, Wednesday night. Now, that's not for every Baptist church in, the, in America, but those time slots, so to speak, are very traditional when it comes to Baptists in their traditional times that they meet. Now, I know there are people that don't meet all those times or don't meet as much or whatever it might be, but those are traditional times. And again, uh, we're not necessarily going to talk too much about those sorts of things, but I want us to, first of all, consider here the traditions of the Pharisees. And uh, they certainly had some traditions. And so we're going to begin here in Mark chapter 7. I want to read the first 16 verses of this chapter. Uh, again, Jesus addresses the, the tradition here, and he gives an answer to uh, what should be done concerning it. Mark chapter 7, verse number 1, it says, Then came together unto him the Pharisees and certain of the scribes, 
which came to Jerusalem, and when they saw some of the disciples eat bread with defiled, that is, I say, with unwashing hands, they found fault for the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they washed their hands off, eat not, holding the tradition of elders. And when they come from the market, except they wash, they eat not. And many other things there be which they have received to hold, as washing of cups and pots and brazen vessels and of tables. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why walk ye not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders? But they eat bread with unwashed hands. And he answered and said unto them, Well hath Isaiah the prophet prophesied of ye hypocrites, as it is written, the people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. How being in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrine the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandments of God, ye hold the traditions of men, as washing of pots and cups, and many other such like things you do. And he said unto them, Full well ye reject the commandments of God, that ye may keep your tradition. For Moses said, Honor thy father and thy mother, and whosoever curses father and mother, let him die the death. But ye say, If a man shall say to his father, It is Corban, that is to say, a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. And ye suffer him no more to do aught for his father and his mother making the word of God of none effect through your tradition, which ye have delivered, and many such thing, like things ye do. And when he had called all the people unto them, he said unto them, Hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand, there is nothing from without a man that entering in him can defile him. But things that come out of him, those are they that defile the man. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. I want to consider here tonight why Baptists should not follow human traditions, especially spiritual or religious traditions. Let's go ahead and pray here as we consider this thought here tonight. Father, thank you again for your word here tonight. We thank you for this opportunity again to come to church, to come to the house of God, to hear from the word of God. And as we Again, look at uh, traditions. Again, many different kinds of traditions that people hold to. And we consider here this passage that deals with the traditions of the Pharisees. I pray we could see that traditions are not to trump the truth. And again, as, as, as we see this here tonight, I pray we, again we could understand from the scriptures that we should avoid traditions that, again, would avoid the truth or, or change the truth or... Uh, again, be contrary to the truth. Help us again to take in the word tonight. We pray this in Jesus' name and for sake. Amen. Now, as we consider here tonight some thoughts on traditions, I want to say again, uh, a lot of people defend traditions because it's something you do on a regular basis. People have traditions and uh, they do them and they're part of their life and they become part of their fabric and it becomes part of their faith system the Pharisees had a tradition, and they had to wash their hands before they ate. I mean, this is mentioned several times in this passage of Scripture. They had this tradition, the holding of the tradition. It says there, verse number 
uh, two, it says, uh, it says to say that uh, to wash was on, uh, let me read the whole verse. It says, and, and when they saw some of the disciples eat bread with defile, that is to say, without washing hands, they found fault. And so there were some of the disciples, and they didn't wash their hands before they eat. And someone says, well, you should always wash your hands before you eat. And I understand maybe there's a health aspect to it. And I understand today, I mean, people would just be like freaking out, so to speak. You mean you didn't wash before you ate? I mean, we used to have, I believe it was a plaque. I, I can't remember exactly where it was in our house, but it had something along the lines of mom encouraging the children to wash your hands. Mom said, wash your hands, mom said, something along that lines. You know, there's nothing wrong with washing your hands. There really isn't anything, again, truly wrong with washing your hands. But do you have to do it as a religious observance? Do you have to do it because a tradition tells you you need to do it? Here the Pharisees had traditions. It mentions the washing of hands. It mentions, again, traditions dealing with cups in verse number uh, four and pots and brazen vessels and tables. And they had Traditions when it came to Sabbath, and they had traditions when it came to, to how far you could do this and what you could do with that. And there are all kinds of rules and regulations that the Pharisees set up. And again, when the disciples didn't do these things, they questioned them. I just want to say this. You'll find people question you if you don't follow their traditions. you find people, even in the Baptist faith, question you. You mean you don't have or you don't do this? I mean, in your church you sing five songs on Sunday and five songs on Wednesday and uh, 13 songs on, you know, whatever. And you, someone says, well, that's odd. That's weird. That's different. You know, when I went to Africa, I didn't understand how long some people worship. We think in America, or they did back in the days, worship a long time. We think about the pilgrims and uh, supposedly sermons back in the day were two hours long. The sermons were two hours long. Went to Africa, I met a man there in the Baptist churches there in India, on average, have preachers that preach one and a half hours long. And he talked about, as he was a young kid, he said, I was a four-year-old, my dad would set me up there, and I'd have to try to listen, I'd get tired after a while, and I couldn't listen to what he was saying, and all these kind of things, and and then after that, they did this. And after that, they did this. And then they had a praise thing. And they did some other different things. And they had a meal a lot of times, almost with every service. And I thought, boy, that's strange. Indian Christians doing things so different than Americans. I mean, like having food almost every service. I thought, wow, that's different. But that was a Baptist faith. It wasn't exactly our kind. But I mean, it was a Baptist faith that he grew up in. In India. And I thought, Bobby, you're different. You know, you Baptists in India are different. You're wired a bit different than us. And again, when it comes to traditions, again, it's, it's something we often are comfortable. It's something that's often established. It's something that sometimes we'll defend. And we see again here in the Bible, here's some people, they just don't understand at all why the disciples... Don't follow these traditions. It says that in verse 5. It says, The Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why walk not thy disciples according to the traditions of elders, but eat bread with unwashing hands? They eat bread with unwashing hands. Oh, my. They're defiled, it says there in verse number 2. They're defiled because they don't eat 
with their hands washed. Did Jesus agree with this or disagree with this? Well, 15 gives us the answer. It says, there's nothing from without a man that entering onto him can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are the defiled man. Someone says, well, what do you mean? Defile me? I mean, spiritually defile me? I mean, this, this observance to them was part of their being spiritual, so to speak. If you don't wash your hands, you're not spiritual. You're not doing that which is right, whatever it might be. And, and people might hold to a tradition that's not, again, one that needs to be followed. And Jesus said, buzz, buzzer there in a sense. There's nothing from without a man that entering in can defile him. Someone says, there's got to be something that can defile man. Make him spiritually you know, tainted or wrong. I mean, if someone did this, that, or whatever with their hands or their feet or maybe with their whatever it might be, that defile him. No, it, it, Jesus says here uh, from within, it says, from, but, the, but the things that come out of him, those are that defiled man. So where, where, where does defilement come from? It comes from within. It comes from the heart. It doesn't come from some outside matter or means. Again, this, this whole passage deals with the subject of traditions, and I just want to mention some things about traditions. Again, introductory thoughts are, where do traditions come from? Where, where do they come from? Someone says, I don't know. They come from a lot of different places. Well, look at verse number seven. Where do they often come from? It says in Mark chapter seven, it says, how be it in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Where do they come from? They come from men. They come from, again, the elders, their tradition of the elders. It mentions that in verse number three. Holding the tradition now, who set up this religious system that says this is spiritual, this is not spiritual, this is right, this is wrong. How are traditions started? They started with leaders. They started with elders. They started with people. Human traditions start with people, and then they're passed on as commandments to people. And then people start to think like, hey, you're weird if you don't follow our traditions. You're wrong even if you don't follow our traditions. You say, how powerful are traditions? Traditions are very powerful. They become part of the doctrine and practice of religious systems. It doesn't matter what faith system it is. It doesn't matter if it's Baptist or Catholic or Lutheran or whatever. Again, traditions come along. Elders come along and they come up, hey, here's some rules, here's some regulations, here's some guidelines. This is some things that you must do Again, and they'll say, hey, you got to do this in order to be saved. You must be baptized to be saved. And someone says, well, the elders say we have to. And yet the Bible doesn't say that, but the elders say we have to be baptized. Well, if I'm not baptized, I can't be saved or whatever it might be. You must be confirmed to be saved. You must take communion or you'll lose your salvation. You must hold out faithful to the end or you won't be saved. Where do these things come from? They come from the elders. It starts with some people, normally a group of religious people, sometimes just a single leader. And they establish a faith system based on traditions, based on things they want to teach. 
as right and wrong. They're additions, they're subtractions from the truth. And so we see in this passage here, this is not part of defilement. Jesus says there in verse number 15, there's nothing from without that entering in can defile him. Hey, none of those disciples are defiled. You might see them as defiled. They're not defiled. I mean, they're eating, and they're not eating like you like to. You want to see them wash your hands, and wash your hands often. And you like them to see them follow these other uh, things, these washing of cups and pups and brazen things and all these kind of things. And he said, uh, no, not necessary. You've got your doctrine totally confused here. Defilement comes from within. Now, I'm not going to look at that thought really here tonight, but I just want to mention this. Traditions are very powerful because they become part of the fabric of a group. They become the, part of the traditions of the group, teachings of the group, and people within the group will think it very odd if you don't follow their traditions. But the sad thing about traditions is this. You see this in verse number 8. For laying aside the commandments of God, you hold to the traditions of men. So instead of what the Bible has to say or what Jesus has to say, you set that aside and you say, this is what we're going to do instead. This is how we're going to worship. This is how we're going to believe. This is what we're going to say is grace. This is what we're going to say, again, takes us to heaven. This is what we're going to say heaven's like, or this is what hell's like. And they say, hell's, the Bible defines like what hell is like in here and heaven's like in here. And they say, no, it's not that way. No, it's not that way. We, we set up our, our, our faith system. There is no hell. Again, and there's religious systems that, again, supposedly are following the scriptures and talk like there's no hell. What's happened there? They lay aside the commandment of God or the teachings of God to hold to their own truth tradition. Turn to Psalm 85. You can talk to Jehovah's Witness and they adamantly believe in their minds there's 144,000 that'll be in heaven someday. And the rest of us, we're going to populate earth someday. Say, where do they come up with that stuff? They come up with it through some leaders, some elders, some teachers, some people, not from God, people come up with these things. Psalm 85, verse number 8, again, a good verse on what we should hold to. Should we hold to traditions or hold to the truth? Psalm 85, verse number 8, it says, As I hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people and to his saints but let them not turn unto folly. I will hear what God, the Lord, will speak. What's important? It's what God says. It's not important what man comes up with. Anyone can come up with traditions. And there's traditions within the Baptist faith. And again, more and more I, I think about them. I had one point out to me the other day, and I was just thinking, you know, that is a serious traditional fault. That is a serious traditional fault. Why do we follow that? Why do we do that? Why do people do that in general? Because elders came up with it. Leaders came up with it. The Bible says there they lay aside the commandments of God. That's bad. But let's turn back there to Mark chapter 
7 to verse number 8. And now he says that they replace the doctrine by laying it aside to hold to something else. But sadly, it says in verse number 9, it says, And said unto them, Full well ye reject the commandment of God, that you may keep your own tradition. They reject what God says that they can keep and follow their own traditions. Sadly, traditions trump the truth. So many religions, tradition trumps the truth. Again, the Bible says, you must be born again. And as I said before, they'll say, you must be baptized. You must be confirmed. You must take communion. You must be faithful. You must follow the golden rule. None of those ye must have been found in the Bible. But they're pushed by traditional churches and traditional religions. These guys had their own traditions. They rejected the word of God. The Bible says they laid aside the commandments of God to follow what they wanted to follow. And sadly, in, in much of Christianity today, that's what it's all about. Following what you want to to follow, But you say, what do you, what do you mean? Yeah, you find a preacher that tells you maybe what you want to hear, and then he teaches you this tradition, and then you say, oh, I like that. I like that. You know, I like, I like this. I like a church that maybe teaches me that I could be healed if someone just lays my hand on them. You know, just lay the hand on them, and, and behold, I'm healed. I, I like that tradition. Uh, they believe in this. And so I follow it. Again, as we think about traditions, let's turn over to Matthew chapter 7. Uh, Matthew chapter 7. Again, uh, when we think about traditions, again, there's, there's a grip on most people when it comes to traditions. Traditions are like uh, many, uh, an addiction. I, I mean, honestly, it's almost like an addiction. I mean, people are addicted to their tradition. They, again, look at their traditions and they find... Uh, again, difficult uh, to break away from them. In Matthew uh, chapter 7, I just want to read the first few verses in there. It says, Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you be judged, you shall be judged, and with the meat you be meat, uh, with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the, the mote that is in thy brother's eye, and considerest not the beam that is in thy own eye, or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold the beam in thy eye? Verse 5 says, Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam that is in thy eye, and then cast out the, and thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote that is in thy brother's eye. Now it's easy to see sometimes the fault in others. We can find fault. We can see the traditions here, the traditions wrong. The Jews obviously here were told that their tradition wasn't right. Their following tradition wasn't right. And he actually even pointed out another tradition they followed that dealt with, again, honoring their parents. And I'm not going to get into that, but in verse number 10 and verse number 11, they, they tried to get around honoring their parents by donating to somebody else. And so instead of taking care or gifting to their parents, they would, again, be in a position where they would um, say, this is Corbin, it's a gift. And and that they wouldn't have to take care of their parents there. As it talks about there in verse number 12, it says that you suffer him no more to do aught for his father or his mother. And so, 
Again, they would have a little system, so to speak. You could, so to speak, in a, in a way, not donate to the church. It would be the synagogue there, but you kind of give a gift, a spiritual gift. You give this spiritual gift, and then you don't have to really use that money to honor your parents. And this isn't good or right. It says in verse 13, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition, which you have delivered, and many other such things do you. Get to point out a bunch of stuff. Bunch of stuff that you guys do traditionally that's not right. But I want to mention here, when it comes to tradition, again, we see again some things when it comes to tradition. Uh, again, when it comes to tradition, there's always pride in tradition. And again, uh, often pride associated with uh, tradition. Again, you find there in verse number five, then the Pharisees and scribes asked them, why walk the not the disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but they eat bread with unwashed hands. Okay, what are they doing? They're saying they're doing wrong. We always do right. We wash our hands, they don't. And so there's pride with tradition. Again, Jesus' disciples were, you know, to them, defiled. Not following the religions or not following the law. But these were made up rules, made up laws. Not the truth, nothing based in the scripture, nothing based on true religion, but unbiblical religious practices. Again, there are many people that hold your traditions that are not found in the Bible. The so-called tongues movement today, there's nothing like that in the Bible. I've, I've heard people so-called speak in trunks. I remember a guy there at Fargo Baptist Church, Brad Sando, years ago, he said, you know, if you want to hear tongues, just come by my apartment. And so one day I came by his apartment, I was sitting outside his apartment, and he said, here it is, listen. And I listened. He, he was in his apartment across the hall, but you could hear the guy across the hall, so-called speaking tongues. And I'll, I'll mimic what I heard. I'm not saying this is exactly what it was like, but he kind of just went... It was like, what is going on in that place? I thought to myself, he's speaking in tongues. And then he stopped. He's praying in tongues. I'll ask him. He says he's praying in tongues. And I thought to myself, I'm not saying that's like all tongues, but it's totally created. It's, it's totally off. And I, I sat out that apartment. I was shaking my head. I was like, how deceived. How deceived. And he'd do that over and over again. He said, especially after he's committed fornication, you'll hear it. So he had a girlfriend. <laughs> this guy had a girlfriend. And he said, after that, you'd hear him. I thought to myself, hmm, that's just odd. This, that's supposedly a fruit of the Spirit. And that sort of thing. I, th I thought, boy, this is weird. This is weird. And I'm not saying all people speak tongues the same way. But the tongues of the Bible are simply languages. The tongue is a language. On the, in the book of Acts, it's totally defined. In the Old Testament, the book of Genesis, chapter 10, the tongue is defined. It's a human language. And to have the ability to convey the message of God or interpret so someone can hear the word of God in their own language, that's why tongues were given. Not to be something that we just fiddle around with, pray with, do with, whatever. It's just, just kind of crazy, and I hate to get off on that, but it's just crazy how tongues, and then someone says, well, you can't speak in tongues? 
You guys don't have the full gospel there. The fullness of gospel, fullness of the spirit there, you'd have the ability to speak of tongues. Turn to Luke chapter 15. Again, when it comes to traditions, often those that are involved with them think, you know, hey, it's, this is exactly what we should do. And you say, where did it come from? Well, someone taught them it. Someone uh, conveyed the message to them that this is what religion involves and this is what, again, true spirituality is. And so they follow it and they embrace it. Luke chapter 15, verse number one, it says, Then drew near to him, speaking of Jesus, all the publicans and sinners to hear him, and the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Boy, that's unusual. Someone eating with sinners and, and them murmuring. Why are they murmuring? Let's turn over to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. Why are these guys murmuring? I mean, Jesus is just eating with publicans and sinners, and they're murmuring about this. Someone says, well, what's going on there? Can't you have food with publicans and sinners? Isn't everybody a sinner? Well, they're people they would classify as sinners, and certainly publicans, again, tax collectors, were looked on as the worst of sinners, and these traditionalists believe that these sinners... We're not to be eaten with. Luke chapter 7, verse number 39. It says, Now behold, the Pharisees, which had been in him, saw he spake within himself, saying this, Man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that touches him, for she is a sinner. So again, Jesus had this woman. Again, I'm not going to read through this, but this woman who was a sinner. And she comes to Jesus and pours this alabaster box on him. And these Pharisees say, oh boy, if he were a prophet, he'd know this, this, this gal's a sinner. This gal's a sinner. Let's turn to Luke chapter 19. This, this woman is bad. This woman is worse than us. She is a very bad person. She's a sinner. Traditionists look down on others. They follow their traditions and they... Consider if others don't follow their traditions or don't do exactly what they, again, want others to do, that they're wrong, that they're bad. Look at Luke chapter 19, verse number 5. It says, And when Jesus came to a place, he looked up and saw him and, and said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide in thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when he, when he saw it, they all murmured, saying, that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. I mean, they, he, you know what Jesus did? He went to be a guest with a person who is a sinner. What did they think they are? They're not sinners? How did they set up this system when, again, even the Old Testament, it talks about we're sinful. There's not a just man on the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. How did they come up with these ideas? They replaced the word of God with some other so-called truth or commandment system. Again, it's sad when you think about traditionalists. Again, I remember, again, uh, having an article about a, a Catholic lady one time, and uh, she had got married and was happily married and newly married and all that kind of things, but the relatives were concerned about her, her uh, 
possibilities of not going to heaven because she had never been baptized. She had never been baptized. So, again, there was troubles concerning this, and, and uh, after a while, you know, she decided to go and visit the in-laws, and anyways, at the in-laws' house, she had holy water sprinkled on her. Now, you didn't even probably know what holy water is. There is no such thing as holy water. I got water, and there's all kinds of different water, but not, she got holy water sprinkled on her, and she was upset. And she was informed. Hey, you know what? You've now been baptized. And she thought to herself, I didn't want to be baptized. I didn't ask to be baptized. I didn't like what was done to me. And she asked Dear Abby about that. She said, Dear Abby, did I get baptized? Dear Abby's no longer around, but anyways. And, uh, no, and, and, and long story short, uh, she wrote back and said, No, Father Gregory Cairo, a Catholic priest, said a person must make the decision for themselves if they're past age seven, unless they're not conscious and there's a non-conscious baptism that can take place. Anyways, long story short, she wasn't baptized, at least according to the Catholic Church, which they were so concerned about. But anyways, I think about even, even the answer there. I mean, uh, the tradition, as long as you have to be past seven, and if you're past seven, the decision must be made of your own conscience. And then if you're unconscious, you can be baptized because if you're in a coma or something else, we can have you baptized because maybe you'd want to be and all that sort of thing. But anyways, it's all tradition. Is there any Bible verse that talks about age seven? Is there any Bible verse that talks about conscious, non-conscious when it comes to baptism? Again, uh, all these kind of things. Someone says, well, you're picking on this church and that church. Traditions infiltrate nearly, if not all, churches. Let's turn to Colossians chapter 2, verse number 8. Uh, Jesus' church obviously didn't uh, adhere to traditions. Again, you'll find, again, uh, traditions kind of sleep, creep into the churches of Galatia. You must be baptized, that kind of tradition there. You must be circumcised was the doctrine that was coming and creeping in there. And uh, again, you'll see again, Paul condemned it. He condemns it because it's not right. In Colossians 2, verse number 8, it says, Beware lest any man spoil you through the philosophy through vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiment of the world, and not after Christ. And where, 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 did, where does this traditional teaching spring out? It, it comes from the word rudiments of the world. The rudiment means the first principles or origins of instruction. The rudiments of the world. Is it an asset or is it after Christ? not after Christ. And where did, where did the doctrine spring from? Does it come from the scripture? Are there principles that teach it? Does the word of God actually teach that? Beware of tradition. Here it says, beware lest any man spoil you through the philosophy, vain deceit, after traditions of the world and the rudiments of Christ. There's more we can talk about tradition, but I'll save, again, uh, some more talk about tradition for, for next week. But again, traditions 
are dangerous. Again, you find again that being taught, especially by the Lord Jesus Christ here in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 23. But uh, I just want to close here tonight as we begin to look at why Baptists should not hold to spiritual traditions. Let's close as we consider the word of God here tonight.